0: And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code FAKETHENATION at the checkout, and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code Nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash FAKETHENATION. And Miracle so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.comslash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this. Episode. This
1: is a headgum podcast.
0: Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation presenting Succession Recaps. I'm your host, Nadine Farsad, and we are dissecting HBO's hit series, Succession, because we love watching C-suite executives dirty their sneakers in Norwegian dirt. And so today, we will tackle Season 4, Episode 5, titled Kill List. Don't be confused, this is still the FTN feed, and you will get your regular episode of Fake the Nation on Thursdays. But on Mondays, for the next five weeks, we will be doing this bonus Succession Recap Pod. Today, I am but part of the quad squad, um, because today uh, we have assembled an excellent panel for you, joining me on a peak in a Norwegian mountaintop, taping this podcast in a sauna, We have with us artist and filmmaker and expert on the ultra-wealthy because she's eaten their Norwegian spread. It is Danielle Derschlag.
1: Hey, Danielle. Hey, Nagit. So thrilled to be here. Think of me as a wealthy estrogen air freshener. That's what I'm here to do.
0: (laughs) also joining us you've heard him on fake the Nation like one gajillion times because he is uh he's one of the one of our OG cast he is um he is a he is a Frank he is a Carl he's a Jerry of the fake the Nation verse <laughs> um, he's also a writer a comedian um, someone I've seen just like regularly uh, obliterate audiences on comedy stages around the country and he is our number one boy it is Benari Lee Bolton. hey Benari
2: hey so so happy to be here. I'm ready. Uh, I'm like Ikea to fuck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into it, um, I just want to let people know if you've enjoyed this pod. And let's say you also enjoy the Thursday pod. You can get more pod at patreon.com slash Farsad. You support the show. You get bonus episodes of the show for as little as $4 a month. Uh, so go to patreon.com slash Nageen Farsad and give that a look-see. So before I do my little summary, which will be quite brief this week, I just want to hear your at
1: first blush thoughts on this episode uh what did you feel you know this episode i felt this whole show contends with misogyny that's not new but i felt like this episode took such an organic deep dive into misogyny which made the fact that it was actually secretly a woman's private triumph at the end particularly compelling and exciting so i i really enjoyed watching that this episode
0: Yes, uh, patriarchy and misogyny on display. Banari, what did you what were your first blush thoughts?
2: Yeah, I I agree. I what I really enjoyed seeing was especially in com- uh, comparison to last week's episode when Shiv literally takes a fall. You know that she's going to be on the rise. And what I really enjoyed was seeing her instead of trying to fight the tide, she learned to surf. She was surfing the wave. Mm. Just getting a feel for Okay, I'm not going to I'm going to be cut out. Ken's going to go back to season 1 Ken and be self-destructive. Um, you know, uh Roman is is a is a lunatic and going to go he's going to go wherever the bully in the room takes him. Um, you know, and that, so she's like playing them. And then she really got Madsen's... Uh, and so just watching Shiv at work was a real joy this episode for me.
0: Yeah, I um what I mean f- my just feelings about this episode were just like, we set the table last week um, at the at the wake or whatever that hangout was and now we're just like doing Manhattan penthouse intrigue on steroids. It is like the, it is the it is the part of the show that I've been desperately waiting for for four seasons. Like this is what I've wanted. I've wanted to see the siblings figure it the fuck out. Um, mm. Again, I wish they were just like, be good and kind to each other, work together, and then ultimately achieve some sort of like beautiful – Um, pseudo-socialist ends um, that somehow involves lots of child care for everyone. That's where I would love for this to end up. I mean, no one
2: is caring for children in this show. No one is caring for children in this show. No one is caring for children,
1: though there is one theoretically active parent. um, You know, Nikki, your description makes me wonder if what we'd rather be really talking about here today is the 1980s show Different Strokes. Yes, because (laughs) what, what you've just described is a much closer fit to that program I, yeah. and I want And I want, uh, you know, Jesse Armstrong,
0: I'm sure he's a rabid listener of this podcast. Of I want him to know that were I to ever be a writer in one of his rooms, I know that ne- everything I'm saying would never happen. Uh, yeah. I'm not a crazy person, but I'm a crazy person. You know what I mean? <laughs> what you talking um, about,
2: Nagin? <laughs> <laughs> You know, one interesting through line for this particular season is the kids working together are a strong force. Like like Logan said, they have juice. And when they work together, they accomplish things. And what I thought was really interesting last episode, even though they were kind of working against each other, they did do what's best and the the kids succeeded. This episode, they did succeed, but part of the succeeding (laughs) in succession was them unknowingly all working together to get the deal done. And Shiv yeah, yeah, using yeah, yeah. Shiv using basically Ken and Roman's weaknesses to seal the deal, and and telling Matson we don't know fully what their conversation was, but right. I feel like the end goal was we didn't want them to tank the deal. And what's so great about Ken is all he does is fuck up deals. So when <laughs> so so when Ken's so when Ken's big idea is I want to tank the deal his failure is actually success.
0: Success succeeding in the deal. The best
2: thing for the deal was Ken not wanting the deal to happen.
0: So let's do a quick summary of the episode. Um, You know, in case you forgot what happened in this just, uh, oh, what a fantastic episode of television. And there's not much here to recap, but basically the extended our Royco team gets into a couple of PJs and head to a fjord-laden landscape in the Norwegian mountains where they intend to bleed the Swede. Roman, Kendall, and Mattson have a meeting in a room with a view. Then they have a meeting in a picnic area with a view. Finally, they have a meeting on a mountain peak with a view. And along the way, we learn that Kendall and Roman want to blow up the deal, uh, keep and run the company. they are leaking stories to the press about bad vibes to sour the deal. We learn that Shiv is entirely aware of these shenanigans and she herself makes a connection with Mattson, who it turns out is the creepiest fuck of them all with a regular bloodletting practice. Oh and finally, we see what it's like when Roman truly loses his shit at Mattson and speaks the unfettered truth. Despite every effort to blow up the deal, Mattson makes an offer so big he dep- presses the fuck out of Kendall and Roman Shiv of course guided him to that deal or so i believe it is it weirdly i, I mentioned that that um that that Roman loses his shit at Matson and and says the truth and there was a, a lot of truth telling in this episode and i thought that was also a really interesting mm-hmm. through line for this episode we yes. hear like Where where Roman's like, I I hate, I fucking hate you. It's like, yeah, this man is the worst. And we've all been tiptoeing around just, just, clearly saying that um but he sucks and uh and then also there was a weird amount of truth between Shiv and Matson where she talked about the dissolution of her marriage in an oddly honest way and then he was oddly honest we'll get to that conversation in a second but before i mean let's um d- did you did you feel like there was like I- is this like post dad world just like oddly more truthful or something am I the only what did you feel about the truth the truths that were coming out
2: I uh I think that the truth like everything else was used as a bargaining chip I think that everyone <laughs> yeah. deployed yeah, yeah, yeah. deployed right. the truth when they needed something. Roman, it was cathartic to have Roman sort of spill his guts like that, but it was also the last play he had to make and he had nothing left to lose. But he also knows Madsen doesn't fuck around when it comes to, you know, just tell me what you want. He says it. Just get, I want to know what your number is. Shiv right. says, just say the biggest number and, and they'll have to take the deal. That's how you get the deal. And Madsen's game was sort of Bullying them, belittling them, doing everything that he could to push their buttons, which is you're not, you're a tribute band, right? The oh, the, the, that one, was the
0: sickest bird. Oh my god! You know, Incredible. and
2: and so in terms of all of that, and Shiv, let's talk about Shiv being honest. She is she drinking? She's got she's got her whiskey in her hand, but she's doing that sort of Bruce Wayne. Am I drinking? Am I not? He mm. offers her a bump. She takes it. She never does. She never, she never does, does, the does it. She just
0: like basically stirs she around stirs a little. Of <laughs> she's <laughs> just stirring it with a little spoon and then puts it to the side.
2: <laughs> and and when Shiv is confronted, like Shiv knows what's going on. She confronts Kendall several times. Did you know about this? Uh, You know, what about these dad stories? She knows. She knows.
0: She knows it
2: all. Here's what's going on with ATN. Rome, did you have it? Is there an inside track, you know, on this? We can't can't have a presidential candidate sitting in on meetings. You know, she knows everything that's going on. um, And it's really interesting, too, how she's bringing it back, where she understands that she knows what Tom wants. Tom does want to get back together. Tom doesn't want. The end of the marriage. And she's deploying a little bit of the manipulative truth in Uh, that as well.
0: Danielle, can we talk about this for a second? Because this (laughs) is the aspect of the show that I found most fascinating she is using her sexuality in a way that I don't feel like we've really seen her use her sexuality. I mean, obviously she uses it with the the political guy that she has sex with, or whatever. That's a little bit of a different story because they were once an item. Totally. So I don't really you I don't really see it in that scenario, but here. She's clearly flirting with Madsen, right? Like and she's using I think the honesty about the relationship was also like you said, it was a it was a, a tactic because when you're a remarkably honest with people, they suddenly feel close to you. And then it's like okay, and then you're you're building some kind of a trust, even if it's fake, you know. So so, but she's but she's also signaling to him, hey, I'm single, um, and I'm down to fuck you. Even I mean, but even though so gross, he's the grossest man. He's so fucking. Can we? Madsen is the grossest level. It's a he's, new level. I understand that he's also the hottest guy in Norway, but he's also <laughs> the most disgusting. He is like a combination of Elon Musk and and Billy Bob Thornton and Angelina Jolie when they used to wear those vials of blood around their necks of each right. other's blood and some sort of... Um, but he's
2: got like an army hammer vibe. Like he's got, you know, yes. where, you know, yes. like is he a cannibal? Yes.
1: he's like the handsome skeevy guy in the room that you originally think oh i'm gonna talk to that guy and then he casually mentions sending you some of his blood so you know he's the guy who surprises you i think the casting here frankly is brilliant you know i i I noticed so many sort of layers to the casting of this character he's taller than these brothers significantly he's abier. He, yes, he's abier. that kind of brief ab shot. Not he a takes, his, he takes his shirt off. On purpose, um, folks. Right, Absolutely. so he's On literally purpose. like babooning. It's, it's the equivalent corporately of sort of, you know, knocking your chest to yeah. show how big and powerful you are. You know, as to Shiv's honesty, that question that you were asking, Nagin, you know, I was so struck by the moment where Matson says, I like you. You can take a joke. Everyone You're like your father. You're mm-hmm. like your father, yes, you can take a joke. Now, on the one hand, he's really saying to Shiv, unlike your brothers, I have respect for you, fundamentally, because you're like your dad and I respected him. That That's innate to the conversation. But let's talk as women about what it means, because we've all been a member of this conversation, sadly, mm-hmm. when a man turns to you and says, you can take a joke. What it actually means <laughs> is I'm allowed to sexually <laughs> harass you without consequence. Yes. That's what yes. that sentence means. That's what that means. So, you know, for Shiv, in that moment, she's such a smart operator. I think she, I'm guessing, she really understands the way to this man's heart, so to speak. Hearts aren't really a good object to cite in the show. The way to this man's wallet mm-hmm. is to play that game. She's going to look great in neutrals. She's going to be a little bit flirty. She's going to give him what he needs. I don't think it's because Shiv is coming to a new post-Logan truth-oriented version of self. I think she's very strategic. And she gets that this guy thinks she's attractive. He thinks he he can be sexist with her. She's going to use that to her advantage. And we saw at the end of the episode, who's not on the kill list? Any of the women yeah shiv is clearly part of that decision and tom right tom is not
2: so it's all shiv's people
1: it's all shiv's people plus her let's say sadistic plaything. i'm gonna call tom that for the moment yes you know so, so we're seeing how she's using corporate misogyny to kind of in an underground way have a feminist mandate i think that happens probably a lot in corporate culture but i've never seen it On TV before, and I found it thrilling.
0: Oh, it's thrilling, and it's also, oh, God, the number of times I've allowed higher-ups be misogynist around me, towards me, in front of me, make the jokes, and I've, guys, I've laughed along because... Because I need to like get to the thing, you know, like mm-hmm. let me get through this sit this these horrible twenty minutes or whatever, so then I could then do my job, um, and then and you know, and we're put in that horrible situation again and again and again and again, whatever. I mean, theoretically, it's getting better, um, so uh, so I thought that was interesting, and I thought, and I also, I also thought it, what, what a great. What a great situation to have her be single, to have her be able to, like, let other people think that she's possibly available to them, you know? Right, So that's just such a great storytelling move. And then the other great – I just want to just shout out to writerly efficiency. You mentioned that she – but she wasn't – doesn't like that Jared Minkin is on these calls with ATN, um, which is a basically direct reference to the Trump administration being on – uh, being so in on all the Fox stuff, Correct. but she—they set that up in the Nazi—they set it up in the Nazi episode in last season. So everything that they've ever set up, they like—it's not out of the blue. She is not—you know—none of this stuff is out of the blue. It's extremely efficient. We've—we've—we we were given seeds, at, you know—they planted seeds, and that—and mm. now they—and um, now they're here to to sow.
2: One other terrific little moment is when he when Matson is explaining his vision for atn it actually aligns with what shiv wants to do with atn
1: that's right, right?
2: so the, you know as she's sitting there at the table like listening she's she's getting the best read on the room but also understands this actually aligns with her because she knows that if her brothers stay if they take over they're just gonna do it like their dad they're gonna yeah. just it's just gonna get smaller men with bigger veins. Like it's, it's like just <laughs> yelling. Like that's the future of ATN. And that might actually make a lot of money. It might, it might keep working. Probably. But it's but it's not what she wants. So she doesn't give a shit if ATN tanks. What she does give a shit about is like, oh, this guy will tank Mankin. Right. And right. I think that there's something that's being set up too, I wanna throw out there because the one the the one sibling she didn't get to interact with was Connor. Connor's Mm -hmm. out there as a spoiler at some point where I think this is going is
0: he's a candidate as we've
2: seen her you know don't forget uh, a few seasons back Connor asked her to work on the campaign you know there's there is a world in which she is she is the one basically manipulating that you know he's probably going to get a post Logan death bump. Right. So, like, if we're setting <laughs> yeah. up, you know, <laughs> yeah. that she's backing Connor as a spoiler to screw Manken's chances. She's backing Madsen to tank ATM, and turn it around into like a normal ish news station or whatever. Um, and also if he takes it over, that gets the siblings out of control of the company and away from the company altogether so that the three of them can actually do the business plan that they've been trying to do for six months. Right. So she yes. doesn't want them to stick on the whole idea is for them to get the deal done and get out of there. So right. she's sort of putting everyone in place and, and, you know, that, that to see that, to see that it's very difficult to see sort of a paper trail in action, but that's what they're kind of doing with Shiv. And I thought this episode was just very masterful in the way they dramatized the, the uh, very behind the scenes. Choices she was making, and you know, if
1: I could just add a a quick thing, I I was thinking a lot in this episode about ideology versus reputation. You know, Kendall says there's a 500 foot drop, reputational drop at one point. I realized in this episode in a new way. I don't think any of these people have a real personal political ideology. It doesn't exist. But I think the difference between Shiv and her two brothers is that her reputational drop in the context of her culture and her friendships would be somehow being tethered to this right wing horrible thing. For Kendall, his reputational drop is failing to lead that right wing horrible thing. So the thing that they're at odds on is not actually ideology. It's reputation, which is terrifying because, you know, as Matson says, look, all these people are so small, everyone except us. You know, these are the people on the top of the mountain deciding how politics works for all of us to some degree. So the idea that it comes down to reputation and their dynamic with dead dad pretty terrifying for society.
0: We're going to have to take a a quick break. Before we do, I just want to read the one Madsen line that we've referenced. He says, long term, I don't think news for angry people works. I would fold it in, fat pipe that shit, make it more Bloomberg, great, simple, cheap, huge, Ikea to fuck. All right, let's take a quick break so we can hear from our sponsors. And then we will come back and continue our chatter. Today's show is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app And I know you guys are like me, and I know you've done this to yourselves. And guess what? 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. So we're all in this bucket. And I think paying for that stuff is so angering, and Rocket Money is there to help. Because basically, Rocket Money shows you, hey, look at this is what all the things you are subscribed to. But then here's the bigger thing. To unsubscribe, you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole. Rocket Money unsubscribes for you with a click of a button. It's so easy. The other thing Rocket Money did for me, which I was incredibly grateful for, was reduce the cost of one of my bills. It was my cable bill. Yes, I still have cable. Rocket Money has over 5 million users that have saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all the app's features. I mean, that tracks for me and for the number of things I was paying for that I'm frankly ashamed of. So thank you, Rocket Money, for like fixing the shame glaze on my life. Uh, so stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation, you guys. Ah. and we are back. Um and I have more questions. I want to so we're we're talking a little bit about what you, you know, you were talking about reputation before we went to break, Danielle. Um I and, and you're talking about like none of them really have an ideology. Um I am like I would like to get into what each of them actually want. Uh Roman to me it's like he is actually seems the most broken from his father's death, right? He's on a funicular on the way to that meeting with Matson on a peak, and he gets a picture of his dead dad from Connor because they, they set up this hilarious <laughs> thing where Connor's going to send them pictures of the dead dad, not wearing a kilt, wearing a kilt, whatever, and um, and so he gets one, and it and it messes him up, you know. And then they, and so he's already rattled on his way to this meeting, and he he fucking basically blurts it. They already know they want to destroy the deal. Part of the wanting to destroy the deal for Roman is that he hates Madsen. Um, I think part of it for both Kendall and Roman is this is our dad's company, and we should be able to prove that we can run it, masterfully run it. Um, so, so what do you, what are your impressions of what, where Roman is at? What does he want? Where is his soul? And where are his tears?
2: I, I think <laughs> he wants love. I think Roman wants what he's always wanted, which is just the love. Um, and he, he is the most, um, he, he's the most empathetic of the siblings. He's the one who cares the most. He actually cared about his father's health. He was the one who stayed in contact, which, which Logan used to Logan's advantage. Um, but... I think he truly loves his family. I think he cares about the family. Uh, I think he was raised on this idea that, yeah, it's all bullshit, but it's a family company. It's our family's company. So whatever happens to that company is also happening to our family. He says it when he's talking with Kendall. Uh, you know, we're selling. So who wins and who loses? Who, like yeah, it's that, like what, what's right. going to feel like a win? What's going to feel like a loss to him? He doesn't know. And I think Madsen calls them out on it. On the mountain where he says your father was a prick. And that also sets Roman off. Where he's like, eh, dad wasn't a prick. We all know he was a prick. But mm. that is a that is a trigger for Roman. Is bad mouthing his dead dad now. In this time of, of grieving. Uh, but also, Matson says your father knew what he wanted. Like your father knew what he wanted. You guys don't know what you want. And Roman doesn't know what he wants. Kendall doesn't know what he wants. Kendall is a junkie. Kendall starts off this episode, season one, Kendall. He's playing, right? He's playing Jay-Z. He's Jay-Z, playing Takeover. takeover. Yeah. Un-fucking-believable uh, needle uh, drop. Uh, <laughs> what a way to- Wait,
0: the- though. I have to tell you, like, literally- <laughs> I have a track and it's um, and I've actually like I've shared this track with um, with Danielle and it's called WIN literally in caps W-I-N WIN because yes. when we were maybe both of us were having a bad day or like whatever I don't remember yeah, what the scenario right. was and I was like yo this is what I use <laughs> and, it's, and it's from J-Rock and if listeners to Fake the Nation but actually Patreon subscribers have probably gotten this on one of the playlists that I've shared with Patreon But uh, it is a very ridiculous pump you up, walk into the boardroom, fuck shit up type, you know, song that I rap along with. And I'm like... nagin is that you and so anyways i uh i i i, I get the impetus
2: you know but that's <laughs> but that was the behavior that he he was engaging in in season one that's how we first met kendall right yeah he's he's, right. he's doing that so he's back to that he's back to season one kendall uh when he's when he starts putting his plan into motion he calls greg over that was like that's how he used greg for drug deals When he hands Greg the phone to go, uh, you know, leak some info to the press, he could have just as easily said, you're going to get a phone call. This is my, this is my guy. He's he's got something for you. Like, you're going to go. So, like, it's the same behavior. The specifics have changed for Kendall, but Kendall's a junkie. He needs the adrenaline of, of, like, his father needed the adrenaline of the deal, which is very Trumpy. Kendall just needs, like... Roman says, like, why are you smiling? Like, who likes to who likes to tightrope walk on a razor on a age? razor,
1: right?
2: <laughs> you know, Kendall, that's who. Yeah, he he, he needs to be in freefall. He needs to be, and that's the self-destructive streak, which is why I think that the other two siblings keeping him in check a little bit makes makes them actually successful. But mm. but so I think in terms of like the wants, they they don't even know what they want because they don't it, to your to your philosophy point, they don't have. A philosophy.
0: Yeah, it's weird to me. Actually, I think I, it's one of those things I haven't totally been able to square in my mind. Why doesn't Roman have a philosophy? Why is he the empathetic one that gets that cares about Carrie and her a shopping bag that's spilling all over the ground and cares about? Like and is the one that Connor calls about the kilt. You know what I mean? He's the guy that like is love. a sort of he, he, the heart. He, he, he's he, the love. He's the heart yeah. of the siblings. And yet he's totally cool with like Jared Mencken and a bunch of Nazis. You know what I mean? Like I've never I've never been able to square that. Danielle, let's hear it.
1: Yeah, you know, I was surprised actually to hear the two of you sort of reference Roman as Mr. Empathy. For me, he will forever be the man who tortured a poor child at a baseball game with an unnecessary check. For a million dollars i wouldn't call him senior compassion given (laughs) the chance but you know i don't think i would even use the word empathy here i actually think what we're seeing is distinct responses to levels of childhood abuse Mm -hmm. we know that roman got physically hurt by his right Mm -hmm. that's not been referenced by anyone else The little that I know about abuse, I'm the opposite of an expert, but the little that I know is that sometimes abuse victims become more enmeshed with their abuser than the other people in the family ecosystem. I don't think we're seeing a deeper level of empathy necessarily from Roman. Sometimes, like in that Carrie moment, I think he identifies with the person who's being treated the worst in the room because he's had that experience but outside of that i find him to be almost incapable of empathy so it's less for me about compassion or empathy it's much more about i'm so tethered to this individual mm. who in a way defined me through his abuse that that is what i'm operating from so i think when we're seeing in that moment roman you know going at matson yes it's the truth and it's how he really feels but it's mostly his grief that he's expressing there. That's a grief monologue, right? And so, you know, Roman is closer to his feelings, but I definitely would not cite him as Mr. Empathy in the group.
2: Well, I mean, hurt people hurt people, right? That's that's <laughs> Roman. That's Roman, where, he's, where you see where he starts and then you start understanding, oh, that's why he's snarky about that. Or he, his armor is these just biting one-liners and just Guts people and has, you know, no compunction about knifing someone um, and slitting their throat. But then is like, oh, are you OK? He'll, he'll be the first to get them a Band-Aid or something. And, right. You know, so but I think in that moment, I, I think you're absolutely right. That is a grief monologue. But he's also telling off a, a, a powerful figure was bullying him in a way he never could to his father. He ne- the closest Correct. he came, the closest he came to that was the last phone message he left his father when he was like, "Are you a cunt? I'm just trying to find out. Like, are you a cunt? Okay, yeah, call yeah, me give back. Give me a you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he uh, hadn't
1: gotten all the data yet. For so, sure.
2: so in that moment, he gets to tell off Matson in that way, all that anger, all that rage, and just yes. like, "Fuck you! You can't bully me anymore." And you know, I'm out of here. I fucking hate you. Because he also fucking hates his dad. He right. fucking hated his dad for what he did and how he That's made right. them. Okay, and so that, yeah.
0: Can I say something too? That th- this is slightly unrelated, but it, it it's a point I, I I'm remembering because that scene really laid it out for me, which is that everyone is treating these men, specifically Logan, Roy, and and Matson, as if they're some kind of a genius. And we do that with Elon Musk, right? Yes. We did that with Trump, right? We do that with these people, and and and, and fuck it, we we did that with Obama. Like we treat certain men like they're geniuses, and what we what what we what I found in all of these situations, like fucking. The kid. Okay, so the Sibs are not serious people, but Matson is a serious people. <laughs> like the fucking guy that regularly sends liters of blood to his comms director. I mean, he, he is in 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 his plans. I mean, again, like Elon Musk is potentially literally right now tanking all of Twitter by by asking people to pay for the blue check. Right? Like mm. the idea that
2: he literally he got, blew up a space rocket like Roman did in season one. He
0: Incredible. literally blew up a space rocket. <laughs> and then we're just like, Elon Musk, what a genius. And like and it's funny because I once said in mixed company, like <laughs> I mean, he didn't even invent Tesla. And they're like, no, but the things that he did with Tesla. And like, I was reamed for even <laughs> suggesting that he wasn't the total mastermind behind Tesla, you know? And it's like, I'm not trying to when say- When TED Talks did, go bad. Yeah. <laughs> Which is when I have been in the same room as Elon Musk is at TED. But um, right. the, the, um, the, the idea that Elon Musk or that these people, I'm not saying that they're idiots, and I'm not saying they didn't have some good ideas, but these people then get surrounded by yes-men, and and then they cannot continue to develop those good ideas at the same pace, and they have no um, personal filters, they have no personal guardrails to Correct. know
1: that they're then being monsters. Uh, and Which that is how is you end up get. urinating through a work meeting. Right, Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I right. mean, Matson is taking a piss, everybody. Yeah, like, While, exactly. Yeah. While Roman is, like, expressing grief, hatred, all these strong feelings, that dick is out there and it's whizzing.
2: Incredible. Also, was Logan a serious person? I mean, Logan... You know, all the th- the things that he got away with, he got away with because he was rich and powerful yes. and the biggest right. swinging dick in the room. And so right. one thing that really struck me was how the boys are applauded at the end. You did it. 192. <laughs> Unbelievable <laughs> job. And they're getting congratulated. They are just deflated because they know that Matson got what he wanted. Which is to to, to to buy it. Take over. Right? Everyone gets a big, it's a huge victory. It's the biggest victory. And one thing that I was thinking about is, man, if that's how all the deals go, the successful deals, that makes you a miserable prick like Logan Roy in the end. Where you're never fucking happy because all your victories are really defeats that nobody knows, but you're being applauded <laughs> as the fucking, <laughs> as the best fucking guy in the room who got it done. But
1: also, you know, it yeah, N- yeah, yeah. not only undercuts them in all the ways we've talked about, but also in that moment, has there ever been a clearer kind of image on this show that it's really not in the control of the siblings? Right. It, these two guys can still vote against it, it will pass. Yeah. yeah. There's a they board have, here, there's nothing they you can know, do. The fantasy of wealth culture is that because I have all this money that I'm sitting on top of, I actually do control everything. And when you are faced with the reality that that's not entirely true, wealthy people freak out. In that moment on the plane, when these two men think, we're in charge, what we want is what matters, and we're the ones who are dictating what happens next, when they realize none of that is true, they look like little crumpled boys on a private jet. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I also want to
0: – I have a couple more questions for you guys, um, and then we're going to wrap up. But one of them is, you know, that moment where Kendall walks into his hotel room, you know, whatever that bungalow room thingy is um, overlooking the fjord. Uh, and then – and um, Roman is in another room adjacent, and he goes, is yours small? Mine's full because mine's fucking small. Every little detail that they experience in that trip they're wondering if it's a power move. And I just wanted to I'm only pointing this out because I've seen people do that, right? Like I've seen people wonder like, oh, did I get the small thing? Did I da da? da?" And like they're comparing and contrasting and feeling slighted and cheated. So there's a lot of like and I've seen this with wealthy people where they just feel slighted and cheated. And I'm like, it's funny because I have uh you know None of the money you guys do, and I don't feel slighted and cheated all the time. So it's a weird byproduct of wealth to feel yes. slighted and cheated all the time. And I think that's just a weird and it, that's just a weird thing that develops, and I've noticed it.
1: Well, there's an assumption, right? that's totally understandable from outside the one percent that if you have more abundance, you feel more abundant. It's actually not always true. You're right, Nagin. A sense of scarcity, um, paranoia, is really a through line through wealth culture. And this show gets that so right. Absolutely. I wanted to also – I wanted to get into the
0: loose ends machine. Uh, So there's a few things out there. I mentioned – I've mentioned in previous episodes and I am obsessed with the fact that Kendall was a part of a kid dying. So that could come back to haunt us all. Mm -hmm. There also, I I remembered, there is a podcast that's digging up dirt on the Roys, a book or something. Mm -hmm. There's a journalist digging into Willa. Remember all these little things. Cruises is still just a large thing that we don't exactly know. There was a payment made, and I don't know, but still. There's a logistics folder that Greg was supposed to delete. OK, and they've been dropping all of these nuggets about Connor's mom. So many loose ends. Benari, do you feel like we're we're going to that we're going to see something from these loose ends?
2: One of the things that I think is uh, a through line in this show is how much none of this matters. Like,
0: these, <laughs> the, and I
2: and I I say this with all sincerity. I think yeah. Jesse Armstrong is really just going all out to just brutally tear down any myths about late stage capitalism that we might have. This is yes. this is a nobody gets out alive show. So whether the all this stuff could happen, and it's not going to make a difference. Not gonna it's imagine. not going to change any of their lives in any you know realistic material way I mean one thing that I that I was thinking about um was when they were sitting around the table and and let me just say I love when the show does this they when they brought uh, the Roys to meet the Pierces and you see yes. they're sort of liberal doppelgangers I loved <laughs> Also, their European, uh, their 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 yes. European uh, <laughs> uh, uh, counterparts, counterparts, was unbelievable. Where like you know, Hugo's counterpart is an Olympian, almost an Olympian athlete, oh. and uh, you know, just just the Aryan nation of it all. Where they're just oh, uh, they're European. And what I loved also about how this show sort of throws those those uh, dangling plot threads back into the mix right cuz you're like oh that's right this they're always plate spinning but yeah. one thing mm-hmm. that was great is when they're sitting around the table and Tom's trying to ingratiate himself i thought of you Nagin, because they brought up your your favorite city on the planet uh paris and it was like <laughs> and i just loved the question it was like there's a bunch of like this goes to your is Madsen serious these are some of the richest wealthiest people on the globe is France is will france make it Is Will France Survive? Right. And chit chat, chit chat. And they're talking about it as if they have any and, any yeah, right like, they, like that's such none a, of
0: them know yeah. no actually every all of them know as much as Greg knows every, which is that Greg read an economist article theoretically yeah. but also how many times have I been the guy that's like I read an article yeah. in the economist <laughs> and like how I, and I the was the like only am one, Greg Lit?
2: the only one who had any you know actual uh, substance to what he said was Tom who was like Americans don't give a fuck
1: Don't what happened, happened, which, to a you know, sadly probably true
2: <laughs> you know which
0: is right so the Americans don't give a fuck is also like that statement where where Madsen goes look I'm just trying to make you rich and then and Ken goes I'm already rich already rich and I think that underscores your point Benari none of this matters
1: they're already rich yeah so everything else is just gameplay um can I, can I cite a loose yeah, end gripe please. I have a loose end gripe and it's this and I'm curious if you two share it Kendall's addiction to substances was a massive plot point for, for a long many time. episodes. And suddenly it's disappeared. No one references the but fact I- that he's, he, that is he drinking, is he not, et cetera. From what we know, if my math is correct, he's had less than 48 hours of rehab. It seems. <laughs> so Danielle un- loves citing his rehab time. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I can't get over the fact that he's had less than 48 hours of rehab and he's still doing all of this. You know, is it as Benari? or maybe Benari? You would say is it that that addiction has simply been replaced yes. by sort of the corporate? You know, this need is that? this or is fe- this
2: is feeding that hole for him. This is this. It, is- listen,
1: it, maybe that's correct, but I have to say for myself as an audience member, it does strain credulity a bit for me that it is suddenly entirely. But out you have you room.
0: don't have friends that were once alcoholics or are now. Really into CrossFit,
2: you know oh, what I mean? It's like the I, same thing,
1: except for the corporate version of the corporate power I, version. I of sure that. do, nagin But after CrossFit, they go to a meeting. Okay, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. Like there's there's a culture of healing here well, that he's not in at all. Ken's got a grief guy.
2: A good grief guy. He's got a really good good grief guy. He's He's got got the the best best grief guy. guy. I
0: want to, I want to, okay, before we end the episode, I have to point out a couple of moments. Okay. The first one that I really am desperate to share with you all is compression socks. Now, I didn't know that season four of uh, Succession was going to be so compression sock heavy. There was a compression sock reference last episode. But, Nikita, I know so you so hoped it
1: would be. You just <laughs> didn't know if it I would be. I just
0: didn't Yeah, yeah. No, I think about them every day. Compression socks. But I was like, but Frank and fucking Carl putting on their compression socks <laughs> and Tom taking a nice hard stare at them. I died. It was so funny. <laughs> but also, I was just like, I I want to get in on the compression sock sock game just for the amusement of others. Like let's all be putting on compression socks every time we get on a flight. Folks, what are we doing? It's so fucking hilarious. Okay, but here's another one. Let me see. Um this I thought was funny because it kind of speaks to a lot of what we've said about Shiv. Ken said Shiv's like trying to talk to them they're on the plane and and Ken goes Shiv like basically can you give us a minute like Shiv we're death wrestling with ogres. And Shiv's like you're reading
1: documents, Ken. Oh, I loved it so much. Oh, my God. How many times has a man in your life, Nagin, told you <laughs> that he's Hercules summiting the mountain, and what he's actually doing is trying to make toast? Right. right. Uh, it, it, <laughs> incredible. Incredible. Exactly.
0: I know. I love that moment so much. Did you guys have any? I have more moments, but did, did either of you have moments you want to share?
2: I mean, I love Jerry's uh pump up speech when you know to get their game face on when they're just falling to pieces she's like look they think they're vikings but they're european they're soft we were raised by wolves like this Mm -hmm. you know jerry is just so superbly good at this and yes. probably the most competent person in the room at any given moment.
1: Yes. Uh, she also might actually have personal politics. Yes. That speech implied that to me, which is rare in this system. Yes. I uh, also, the tag on that scene was brilliant because Hugo
0: takes a look around. He goes, we're snakes on a plane. <laughs> we're snakes on the
2: <laughs> Which has <laughs> there been a more like self-aware, un, un, unaware, self-aware statement that's been said. Um, uh, I also love, I just love, you know, Frank and Carl just... Hitting it out of the park every time. They're just pinch hitters and they just, you know, they're knocking home runs every time they come up to the plate, like looking at the the poor assholes and sweating it out, just like like hanging there in the window, like peeking duck.
1: Peking duck. <laughs>
2: Amazing.
1: Amazing. Danielle, did you have any? Oh my god, so many, but a couple just to share is I can't get over Shiv saying, um, in response to should we keep ATN? Let's just keep one of his sweaters. Less racist. Yes. Oh. So funny. That's an incredible line, but it also speaks to Shiv's capacity to just level these guys Mm -hmm. with one Mm -hmm. phrase. Um, Another moment that I really loved, and this is just like a random little moment, but when they're first getting there, um, they're, they're on their way to Norway. And, Tom, and Greg is so excited because he's going to find some hobbies. Greg really believes internationally that he is hottie adjacent. I've yet to see it, but I'm excited <laughs> for him. Um, when Tom says, Norway, Sweden, what's the difference? All descended from the same rapists. Yes. Incredible. Incredible oh, The last moment I want to highlight, because I think this show does this so brilliantly that sometimes we don't even notice, where wordplay kind of comes back within the episode. What does Hugo say they're going to do? bleed the swede Mm -hmm. what do we find out about the swede (laughs) not only does he bleed but he freezes it and (laughs) sends it to someone as as an act of sexual harassment the kind of you know, this writer's room is so brilliant. That kind of rhyming, in a sense, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. narrative rhyming. When I notice it, it's like a joy bomb hits my face. I love it. Uh, those are
0: also moments that I would love to like sit down and write and be like, did you guys know you were doing that? Because oftentimes, <laughs> as a filmmaker myself, folks, yes. it doesn't matter. I once lived in Paris. Fine. Um, do you have a
1: credenza? <laughs> I also I've have heard you do. I have,
0: I have a credenza. Um, <laughs> and so, but as, as, as someone who's made movies, people will point out things from my film, Films, I'll be like oh my god it's so brilliant the way you did this And this and I'll totally be like Oh my god! Thank you. Like I didn't know that I did that. <laughs> like it was accidental. All oh, pure accident, folks. And I love because I've I've seen you know big time directors admit to like getting compliments for shit oh, that they oh, have sure. no idea. But I love that. But also it, things are working under the surface. You yes. know exactly. I mean? in it's in unconscious, own, right? And it's unconscious. I also mm-hmm. I do
2: want to uh, also make sure that we that we call out the fact that like bleeding the swede turns out he's into it that's actually what he wants yeah and so so thematically it works out very nicely um it puts a button on it and and what's really nice is that getting the thing you want is actually sometimes the opposite of what's good for you or what feels good and that no one's ever going to feel good about any of this except the people who just want to cash out you know, like yeah. the, like all the people who are buzzing around, um, and they're always going to exist and, and and looking for a move. And like, let's not. Oh, I, I don't want to let this moment go by either. Connor in in talking to them when he's trying to uh, get his father out of the kilt so he doesn't look weird for the flyover states, which is just a, just a perfect uh, thing that he's worried about <laughs> all the racist voters yeah, in amazing. the Midwest. Uh, one of the things that he says, which is so Connor is, he's like, I want carte blanche, but I don't want to get blamed. Like, <laughs> yes! That's, <laughs> his, that's, his,
1: that's his mission statement for life. That's his mission yes. statement.
2: It's so perfect. It's so perfectly encapsulates. It's like, I want to do what I want and I don't want to take any of the blame. I need someone else to, to say it's okay. Yes,
0: and he also had to like cancel on a, 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 a room of working class whites <laughs> or something in Cleveland. In Cleveland. <laughs> Yes, um, another great line. Shiv got they arrive at the retreat and Shiv goes, "Where's Chairman Matson's re-education camp?" I thought that oh. was brilliant. And a Greg line where he go, where he's going, like, "We're the Roy Patroy, we're the Quad Squad, we're the family," and Shiv goes, "The fuck," and I oh. lost it. So brilliant. Um, there is, of course, uh, so many much. many wonderful lines in this show, um, and if you want to share share them with any of us. Um, we uh, Please hit us up on all the social medias that you should not be engaging with, uh, obviously. <laughs> but
1: Danielle, if they wanted to do that, where would they? Yeah. If you want to do the terrible thing of engaging with social media, find me on Instagram where I'm at durch, which is at D-D-U-R-C-H. I'd love to hear what you think. And Benari, where do they do that with you?
2: On Instagram at Benari Lee, B E N A R I L E E. Also, still on the Twitter for as long as that lasts. I moved over to Spoutable, but I I haven't used it really. But I'm there. Same thing. Okay, so great. you know whatever. Uh,
0: I, I I haven't I haven't made any real moves myself, yeah. though. I mean, I have lost my blue check, so uh, quiet but none of, of this of matters. <laughs> <that> <laughs> None of it matters. I have a rich life of love.
2: Okay, <laughs> uh, yeah. You have the one wealth. thing that Roman Roy can never that get. That
0: Roman Roy will right. never have. So there we go. Uh, folks, you know where to find me? And I also, occurs to me, I never, I, I feel like I don't tell people in a, with enough time when I'm going to be doing a particular city, with it's Wait, Wait, specifically, I'm going to be in Nashville for Wait, Wait this week. So if you are in Nashville, there might still be dick Hicks. I actually have no idea, but we tape on Thursdays. We will be taping on Thursday in Nashville, and I would love it if you came out. Um, you know, it would be great to see Fake the Nation peeps in the audience of a Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me show. Um, and of course, you know where to find me on all the social medias. I would love to hear any of your additional lines. I could like just be read uh Succession lines um in my feed all day long. Like same, by, you know, that's what I would love.
2: I hope the um, next episode is just a reading, a rereading. <laughs> Just a rereading of the episode.
0: <laughs> That's all we need to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's gonna be. By the way, um, folks, we're we plan on putting this episode on YouTube. So if you're the kind of person that would rather get your pod in YouTube form, um, hopefully, will that that'll be happening for you. And um, I want to thank all the people that make the show a possibility. That's our wonderful producer Andrew McGuire, um, and our fantastic theme music, which is a remix of the Fakes of the Nation theme music, um, inspired by the succession theme music uh, that was written by the wonderful, wonderful Gabi Alter. Um, you Folks hit me up. What do you want to hear us talk about? Are there any burning questions about the this world of billionaires that we haven't been addressing that you want us to address? I'm all here. You can reach us at fake the nation podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's fake the nation podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we will be back in your earballs with a regular show of fake the nation on Thursday. Good luck and good night and goodbye. <laughs>